Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly Shonen Jump manga podcast. My name is Jeremy, your host. And I'm Kevin, also your host. One day I will say your host, Jeremy. It'll come to me. But that's not how I introduce myself on my other podcast, so it doesn't work in my head yet. Welcome to 2019, everybody. Thank you for sticking with us. I hope you had a good holiday. Mine was pretty boring. Yeah, mine too, actually. But hopefully the listeners was fantastic. So we will be reading the Shonen Jump chapters that were released on 1221 today, since there was no chapters released this week. I kind of was expecting that when I announced we were taking a week off last week, but I wasn't sure yet. So, Yeah, I can never remember when Japan does their holiday season thing. Usually it's around New Year, so I was expecting it, but there was no announcement. It's just, there wasn't even a, we're taking a week off. It was just, everything's coming out two weeks from now. Yeah, well, I mean, they have had the release calendar, so I guess they're now no longer need to put those announcements in i guess yeah that's true although i feel like a happy new year announcement we're not doing anything would make sense yeah but anyway we're going to be reading everything in weekly shonen jump they released on twelve twenty one, which is well actually i say everything i again did not read my hero academia i'm gonna catch up yeah this was and- just a really busy two weeks for me There was also one of the chapters that's going to be part of the 15 weekly titles that didn't release last week, so we didn't end up reading that. Uh, Instead, it's going to be getting like a double chapter next week or something like that, is I think what I saw in the release calendar. That makes a certain amount of sense. So we're going to be talking about a lot of series we haven't before. A lot of we're being completely dropped into cold. You hadn't read any of these before, had you, Kevin? No. Okay. So it should be interesting. Well... I, I should I should jump back. A couple of these were Jumpstart series, so I read the first three chapters of like Act Age. I can't remember which other one off the top of my head. I'll remember when we're getting to it. But I have read a couple of these as they were Jumpstarted. Jujutsu Kaisen that was the other one that gotcha. I can remember. So I at least have an idea of what's going on in those ones. But most of those are like forty to fifty chapters in, so I'm a little lost. Gotcha. Yeah. Some of them are really being dropped in, like, at a climax in one particular case. Yeah. We also read Dragon Ball Super and My Hero Academia Vigilantes this week. We haven't decided exactly how we're going to do the monthly and bi-monthly titles yet. Yeah. But about two per episode seems right to me. That might be too many or not enough. I'm going to have to get a feel for the release schedule and figure out if bi-monthly means every other month or twice a month or if it depends on the title. Yeah. I don't know what the release is, because unfortunately we can't see that far ahead on their release calendar. So we're figuring it out in 2019. Please bear with us. But with all that said, should we jump in? Yeah, let's do it. So the first one I read was Hellwarden Higuma, Chapter 2, Where Sin Remains. I also read everything last week after we recorded, because I planned to anyway, just with the weird launch from, I guess, two weeks ago, not last week. With the weird launch, not everything was up in time for me to read it all, which is why we only did what we did last week. But I read chapter one. Did you, Kevin? Yeah, I went back and read chapter one. This was the only series that I did that with. Because it's only because two chapters. It was two chapters. I was like, I can jump back and read chapter one. That's not too much trouble. So Hellward and Higuma is a very typical Shonen Jump series, I feel like. Yep. Demons are real. And Higuma is a Hellwarden who his family has worked for King Enma, trying to bring back souls that have escaped hell and are on Earth. Yeah, and it, apparently they escaped... It feels like they escaped a long time ago, and he has to spend a lot of his time tracking down the ones that did. 
because he like knows a lot of them specifically. At least that's what I got from one of them. They were like, yeah, there was like a prison break essentially yeah. thousands of years ago. And so we've been dealing with the after effects ever since. Yeah. So the main character is Higuma. He's exactly what you expect. He has the power to use basically the hands of demons he's cut off. They like float telekinetically around him and have different powers. Yeah, he takes the sins of the demons and then uses them against other demons. Like he like takes them into himself and then can use them. The point of view character is named Ayaha. I believe I, I have it written down, but I think so. I'm not sure on pronunciation. There's going to be a lot of pronunciation questions on this episode. I have not made our character chart yet. That is something I should do maybe this week. Yeah. Um. She basically she's the main character of the first chapter. Her brother was possessed by one of the demons and gave her a demon that made her a kleptomaniac. Higma sorted it all out, and now she's kind of his sidekick. Yeah, it's still a little unclear. Like, it it made a bit of sense why she came on the second mission, but then it's a little unclear why she would continue coming with him. He kind of was just like, All right, no, that's right. Then she, she did get a part-time job at his shrine. That's right. He so, works in a shri- shrine like a Mika would, only. I guess he's an exorcist. Yeah. So what did you think of, I guess, this chapter specifically? I It's kind of hard for me to separate the two, to be honest. Yeah. Because they're in that starting phase of a new series. Yeah, it's really that three chapter like first story arc i really liked it i thought it was kind of i mean yeah sure it's kind of traditional from a shonen standpoint but the taking the powers of the vanquished opponents to use for yourself is pretty cool the thing about him he's the typical aloof super superior guy and then they had king enma talking about oh so the kid's finally gonna start getting serious because the girl showed up. Yeah, again, it's all very typical Shannon stuff, but obviously that's the sort of thing we like here on this podcast. Yep. It's very Yu Yu Hakusho or Bleach-ish, but it's in those early chapters where it's really easy to get you on board and get you excited. Yeah, and I like the art for it a lot. The Him flying around with all the cool hands, doing different things, like what a pair of them can... I think it's one of them can summon swords... And then the power he gets from the first chapter is these, like, black binding ropes that were just really interesting. Yeah, so this is a series I'm looking forward to, in large part because we get to jump on at the beginning. It could just get kind of typical on a route. When we're reading so many, I wonder if this was going to stay high for very long, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, and while the setting might be a little rote, the story might not be. I hope so. We'll see. Uh, having a female lead is interesting, but I'm afraid she's just going to get pushed in the background like happens a lot in these series. But that perspective is pretty interesting. It's almost like a reverse of Yu Yu Hakusho where the main character dude doesn't know anything and he has this female guide. Yeah. And I guess Bleach also has that exact dynamic. So it's an interesting reversal, but I'm afraid it's just going to leave her on the sidelines commenting. We'll see. It might. Or it might end up that she does something as well i hope so so next we have we never learn question 93 a predecessor knowingly raises an unprecedented x so this is not my favorite chapter if we never learn i what did you think of it kevin i thought it was pretty funny so it's a pretty classic romantic comedy setup yugi's teacher whose name i don't remember is watching her cousin's baby yep 
and Yu-Gi-Oh mistakes it for hers, and they end up having to raise it together for a chapter. Yep. It's nothing bad about it. It just is pretty typical romantic comedy stuff, which we never learn almost always is anyway. But the recent chapters have had a lot of character development stuff and felt like they were really building to something. Yeah, but I think this is kind of like a one-shot thing, and then we're going to go into another arc. Yeah, probably. It just didn't have the impact because of that, and it's the sort of thing you expect in like a comedy episode of almost any anime. Like, yeah. if you told me one of the filler episodes of Code Geass was this, you could probably gaslight me into believing it. Yeah, I could see that. And it starts with this really gratuitous butt shot of his teacher, and like, this is a cheesecake series that's pretty common, but yep. this one just seemed extra gratuitous to me. Yeah. So not my favorite, not bad, still, We Never Learn is of pretty consistent quality, but disappointing for this title, which I really like. Yeah, for me, I don't typically tend to do much romantic comedy anything, so the tropes don't tire me as much as they might you. Yeah, and I'm a person who really doesn't like harem series, so I'm really surprised how much I like We Never Learn, and that's been a thing I've been thinking about a lot in the past two weeks when we weren't recording. And I think a lot of it is the strength of characters, and I think his teacher might be one of the weaker ones, or at least one of the ones that's got the least focus since I've started reading. Yeah, she's really kind of just... Like, she can't do anything correctly at home. She's a slob. She can't take care of a baby. But she's, like, a decent teacher. But that that that's her character. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about this chapter? No, like I said, I thought it was pretty funny. All right, so let's move to another new series then. Or new for us, I should say. It's on chapter 332, which is Haikyuu. Chapter 332, Star. Haikyuu is a volleyball manga. Yep. Are you familiar with this at all? Because I feel like you were talking about it, but as something you hadn't read, but were just... I have never read it, nor have I watched it, but I at least know about it. That uh, like I knew it was a volleyball anime, and then it was really good. Gotcha. There is a lot of cool stuff here. There are lots of charts showing the players' positions and their strategy in here. Yeah. The kind of core of the story right now is there's one player who's kind of down on himself and is having a crisis of confidence, and he gets kind of benched he gets legitimately benched like they actually substitute him out but the player that basically asked for him to get benched was like oh don't worry me putting him on the bench is going to like turn him around and then he's going to come back in and be all the better for it but other than that this chapter is basically just them starting to come back we get the score throughout we don't see a lot of the scoring plays but we see the scoreboard almost montage style as they're starting to come back yep there were a lot of cool art things to convey what was going on in the game that I really liked, but being dropped in this part of the story, it was hard to tell what the emotional context was, and so this wasn't really my favorite chapter this week. What did you think, Kevin? Same thing. A lot of the new titles that we've just started reading are kind of down lower on the list because I don't know what's going on. I don't know who these characters are, so I could understand. I was starting to get a feeling for how the character interactions were going. I really liked the adage of every time you practice treat it like it's a real game but when it's a real game treat it like it's practice yeah that's very typical thing of you don't want to focus too hard on it this is the real game like the one guy said at one point you're probably thinking that this is a game we can't afford to lose but when have we ever played a game that we could afford to lose yeah 
So there's a lot of stuff I like in here, but being dropped in the middle is not great. And also sports anime and manga are not really my thing. Sports stories are not really my thing. Yeah. Although I did really like a bunch of the techniques he used to show what was going on in the game and what players were in what positions and such. Yeah. I liked the chapter and I I know that haiku's good, so I'm probably going to catch up on this at some point, although it's going to be down on my list of things that I want to get caught up on. Although, speaking of that, some of the titles, at least when I was looking on the app, like Act Age only has the first six chapters and then the latest three. Yeah, I was looking at that, too, because I kind of wanted to read Hunter Hunter, but that's not even on there. Is it not on their list at all? No. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then there, I was noticing a bunch of others have pretty large gaps kind of in the middle. Yeah, and so I'm just wondering, is that intentional? Because, I mean, they still probably do want to sell volumes, so... I imagine everything they published in Shonen Jump is on there, because they said as much, but I wonder if they're going to put anything else up there. Also, the stuff that they already had for free at previous points is up there, I feel like, like World Trigger. Yeah. And Dragon Ball Super. Yeah, but I went looking through the list. They have, like, some of the original Yu-Gi-Oh! series and stuff like that. I don't know how much of that is available. But they said they have like 10,000 chapters chapters or something, you know, 10,000 plus chapters. So I'm just wondering, it would make sense that we're not going to put all of our content for $2 a month on our website. We kind of still want to sell volumes. I wonder how much of it is wanting to sell volumes and how much of it is that stuff wasn't easily available in a digital format for them to just put up there already. Yeah, but it's weird with like the ones with like Act Age where all of it has been because it was the first three were in Shonen Jump. So then they got the next three somehow and then they've got the latest three. So I'm just wondering and maybe maybe you're right. But there were some of the series that, you know, you can read all of One Piece, all 920 something chapters. So but like, can you even buy like Act Age volume two yet? You probably can't. So maybe that's it. Maybe. The volume is, volume one is the first. Like, with Act Age specifically, I wonder if that stuff's even been translated yet. Yeah, and that's totally possible. So I, I don't know about that. So some of these titles that I want to get caught up on might be kind of difficult to do. Uh, we're going out of the order I had planned, but since we're talking about it, do we want to go to Act Age next? We can. I was just, that was the one that popped into my head. So we read chapter 47, Arya's Acting. Arya's? I think it's Arya. That's what I'm going to go with. Sure. I have no idea. So you read the first three chapters of Act Age, so you're more familiar with it than I am. Do you want to go over the premise? So the premise of the first three chapters of Act Age were about this girl that gets spotted by a talent agent doing something, and he realizes that she's an amazing method actor, and so he wants to turn her into a big star. I can't remember if she's auditioning for a role or if she's doing something else when he notices her, but he's like, I want her to be my next project. He's like a big producer. Yeah. So this chapter, is she the main character or is this a guy? I honestly... That's not the main character. Okay. I can tell you that right now. Okay. I wasn't sure, but one of my problems, I think it's a guy, but the... This is typical of a lot of Japanese art styles, and I'm being dropped in the middle here, but I have a really hard time telling characters' genders in this series. Yes. Everyone is super pretty because they're all movie stars. I'm guessing. Like, I haven't that met makes this. Sense. I didn't meet this character, so I have no idea. 
So he's in a play. It's like seems to be mostly a one man play. There are other actors in it, but most of the scenes are just him alone. And it's basically just talking about he, how he's also a method actor. Like he has to act sad because his uh, mentor died, but he, and he can do it because he had a mentor who died. Yeah, basically. I really didn't care for this. We talk about how Food Wars and a couple other series like are kind of funny because they're applying all these shonen anime tropes to a super low stakes thing. Yeah. But I feel like that doesn't work here because it's got real show don't tell problems where we see the audience reacting and like they're like, oh, he's so good at acting. But there's no acting in this because it's drawn manga. It's not even voice acted. Yeah, it's. And I'm not saying you can't display that in comics, but I don't feel like it's on display here. No, and I don't know if that's just a problem with this specifically. Like, Act Age, when I read the Jumpstart thing, I didn't particularly like it, but there was at least, she was like, at one point she is actually auditioning for a role, so it's her going up against somebody else, and they kind of have like a shonen fight through their acting, and that was at least something, but this was literally like, Essentially, it's this entire chapter was Goku firing the spirit bomb. <laughs> they were like, oh, my God, that move's so amazing. That was the entire chapter was like him doing the move, then people reacting to the move. So it was like, look at him act, people reacting to him acting. And that's the end of the chapter. I have no idea who this guy is, why I care that he's the king of happiness and sadness. OK. And with all the new series, I read the chapter last week as well. And that chapter was almost exactly like this one. The specifics were definitely different. Don't get me wrong. But it was that exact thing where it's just people like, oh, he's so good at acting. Yeah, like I said, I wasn't a huge fan of Act Age for the first one. Because, like you said, it's kind of hard to portray. Look at how good of an actor this person is when they're a static picture. And I think it's also really hard to portray, hey, look at how good this dish this guy made is. But Food Wars is just so much better at amping it up to 11 and really playing with the tropes yeah well they also you know look how good this dish is they can at least show a static shot of the dish and then kind of explain how the the dish tastes because this is just like actual cooking shows like you don't get to taste the food True. so you listen to them commentate about it but it's kind of hard to be like look how good of an actor he is i guess i'll have to believe you because i i got to look at him which brings us to Food Wars chapter 293, Wildly Armed. So what did you think of this Food Wars chapter, Kevin? I liked it. I liked her baking this like ridiculously delicate cake with the chainsaw, a sledgehammer, and an explosive device. Yeah, so Soma and Sarge are in a, what are they called? A cooking battle. They've got a name. Shokugeki. Though. Yeah, a shokugeki. And they're going to be the first match. She's, like, adamant that Soma has to be a scrub because Asahi said that. I actually wrote down the road, Asahi's never wrong. Soma must be a scrub. And then that is almost literally what she said on the yeah. next page. Yeah, which was pretty great. So they have to make a Christmas cake because it's Christmas in real life, <laughs> even though it's July. It's July and the they also make a mention of that. Somebody's like, wow, this is really off theme for it being <laughs> July. Why? And then all the judges are like wearing the Christmas hats, sit around the dinner. Like, why are the judges so into this? <laughs> I thought that was really great. So, again, one of the reasons Food Wars is better than Act Age is she makes a cluster bomb cake, which 100% sounds like a one piece attack. Yes. But is in this case just a cake. Oh, it sounds so good. It does. Did you write down a description of it? Because I didn't, but only in parts. Uh, yeah. So she whips up this like 
meringue, some kind of cream meringue. And then she does chocolate. She like explodes the chocolate into these, or no, she smashes this giant bar of like this really good chocolate or she makes a chocolate and then freezes it, smashes it with a sledgehammer to crumble it up into bits. She also does this in one strike, which everyone is commending her on. Like she in literally one hit crumbled this thing to pieces. Yeah. And then she makes these like cookie wafers using this explosive technique so that they're super thin. And then she embeds the little bits of chocolate into the cookie wafer kind of randomly throughout the cake so that as you're eating it, every now and again, you'll get hit with this pop of chocolate. And she said it's like being hit with a cluster bomb. Like there's little clusters of chocolate going through the cake. It just it sounds so good. So most of the chapter is just that. But it does end with Soma pulling out a popsicle stick and being like, oh, this is my chainsaw. And right. presumably the next chapter will be him responding. Yeah. So I really like this chapter. Yeah. Especially this was in good- contrast to last week. Yeah, this was a good one. This one actually had the cliffhanger work the way I thought it was going to with the show me your freakish talent. And he's like, all right, I'll pull out my secret weapon. This is my chainsaw holding up a popsicle stick. Yeah. So I'm excited for next week. We'll see what Sam is up to. That brings us to Dr. Stone, Z equals 88, Wings of Humanity. I know you're way down on Dr. Stone. So what did you think of this one, Kevin? It was okay. I'm I'm not as down on this one as I have been the previous weeks, but not the, oh my god, this is the resurgence of Dr. Stone. Well, no, I don't think it is either, but this one had a lot of stuff that I like in it. Yeah, it was... There were a bunch of callbacks to a couple chapters ago. Yeah, there was funny stuff. I'm not as down on Dr. Stone anymore. It's like, all right, I enjoyed myself. Yeah. It's like, I, I But go it's to not those, your favorite? No, I go to those kind of movies all the time. Sure, I've gone to movies where it's like, this is one of the best movies I've seen of the year. And then there's other ones where it's like, I mean, yeah, I... I got enjoyment out that of the movie. That was worth 12 bucks in two hours. Yeah, like uh, that was totally worth it. I enjoyed myself for two hours, but I'm probably never going to watch the movie again. Alright, so basically what's going on is they finish the hot air balloon, but they can only take three people. So they want to take the guy whose name I really should have written down, the captain, because he'll know about wind and yes. be able to guide them. And Chrome really, really wants to go because he hasn't been in this manga since I started reading it. And he's supposed to be a main character or something. Yeah, he was the scientist, I'm making air quotes, of the village that Senku is now the chieftain of. He could do very basic tricks, but he's really good at gathering materials. That's his big thing. And Senku has been a huge inspiration to him because he's an actual scientist. He's like, I used to know how to do science. And then Senku's like, yeah, but I can teach you how to do actual science. Not just the fact that I know more information than you. But I know the scientific method. I know the scientific method, and I can help. And so Chrome has been starting to figure this stuff out. So anyway, they kind of trick the captain into coming with them by saying, oh, we're going to do it by lottery. And he's certain that he's going to get it like they're going to trick him into waiting, so he'll want it. But well, what yeah. they... the, the way it works is they're like, oh, we'll do the lottery. And then if he wins, we're sure that he's going to demand payment for taking him along. So instead, they make Gen win, because Gen absolutely doesn't want to do it. So he's like, oh no, I can't possibly do it. So he gets the captain to pay him a bunch of money for his ticket for the chance to go on the hot air balloon. And everyone else, uh, including Senko, is like, wow, I'm really glad Gen is on our side. Not only were they worried about the captain 
forcing them to pay him to get on the air balloon that they actually got him to pay them for the privilege to ride on the air balloon. Yeah. And then they actually forced Chrome to pick it because yeah. they want him to come along. Well, and they, they mentioned that Gen actually uses the forcing technique because yeah. he's got the random thing of cards. But why I really like this chapter is you think he's going to do that to the captain and then it's a twist. Yeah, and that was... also comes back for that, real later. Yeah, that was really good. So it's actually really tightly plotted, even though it's, like I said, not my favorite, but it was a pretty good chapter. Yep. Which brings us to another one that wasn't really my favorite, even though I really like this series, which is Chainsaw Man Chapter 4, Power. Not that this chapter was bad. Oh, you didn't like Chainsaw Man? I really liked this Chainsaw Man. Really? I just felt really transitory to me. There were things I liked about it. Denji is basically making himself at home at uh, the new guy's house, whose character design I love, and I could draw him for you, but I cannot tell you his name right now. Yep. I am making this naming chart tonight. It's going to happen. Okay. Uh, so they have to go defeat a fiend, basically, which is a devil that's taken over a human's corpse. Yep. So Denji doesn't really show it mercy, but... He kind of has sympathy for it because he's in an almost similar situation. Yeah, but at the same time, he also has some excuses that aren't, they're convenient, but they do make plausible sense because the samurai suit guy was like, all right, show me your powers. And Denji's like, my powers suck. I make chainsaws come out. I get blood everywhere. And this, this thing looks expensive. And I don't want to like brutalize this fiend because he just walks up and like, it's with a hammer, basically. I think it's an axe. I think he takes an axe to the back of its head and just, like, kills it in a single hit. Like, very clean, single hit kill. And he's like, yeah, I, I don't need to brutalize this thing. I can just kill it. I didn't need to use my powers at all. Yeah, but also, he was a demon hunter before he got his powers, too. So. Yeah, just not an official one. He's done this before, though, probably. He didn't know what a fiend was, but he may have even fought one before. He probably has. Again, it's he's not the official one, so he has no idea what the nomenclature is. And he takes all the dirty magazines from the guy who was a fiend. That was one of the reasons that he didn't activate his chainsaws, because like, then it would have gotten blood all over these dirty magazines. So the chapter basically ends with him being told, hey, you need a partner to basically walk a beat with. This is going to be her. She's also a fiend. Yeah, and her I'm guessing she's part of the squad that they're a part of. Probably. Her name is Power. Her, she kind of looks like a demon. She reminds me a lot of Zero Two from Darling on the Frogs, just visually. Yeah, a little bit. The horns are more distinct, but yeah. yeah. So not bad, just very transitiony to me. And like, I didn't super sympathize with Denji the way I usually do. Gotcha. I'll talk about what I liked about it in Jump Card. You got it. So that brings us to Black Clover, page one eighty-seven, battle in the space between heaven and earth. Hey, you finally get to see Asta do something. Yeah. My enjoyment of this chapter goes up greatly because Asta did things. Still not great, but actually I think I ranked it lower than I did last episode, but I did like this. So basically the elves are like, we got to take out Asta because he's got that cool anti-magic sword. Yeah. Normally most wizards rightfully assume I should probably take out the dude that can just cancel all of my magic. That seems like a good plan. Yeah. And so Asta starts... Spinning like he's Anakin Skywalker. Well, he or also, Link, I guess. Yeah, he also closes his eyes because they're trying to get him to look at the girl. And the elf is like, oh, can you dodge all of my attacks with your eyes closed? And Asta actually can. He says with key. That's one of the abilities that Captain Yamato taught him. Gotcha. That's cool. I mean, it just seemed very shown in anime, which I like. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. 
So he gets up into the guy's face, but then he opens his eyes and like looks right in his eyes, which are reflecting the girl, yep. which is a kind of cool bit. And then there's poison magic, and I don't get the ending of this chapter at all, which is really why it didn't do super well for yeah, me, even so, though I liked most of it. So the way that worked is the poison magic user created a poison cloud, and then one of the magic users has transformative magic, so they can transform the properties of one thing into another, or typically what they would do is transform themselves to look like somebody else. So the guy sends out a poison cloud, and then the transformative mage turns it into a mirror to reflect all of the attacks that were being shot at Asta. Gotcha, okay. So it's basically like, oh yeah, it's this is actually a one-on-one. No. He's just taking attention because... Well, even then, the there's two elves yeah. fighting, so That's they true. have they have some of the other people helping Asta out. Gotcha. I just didn't understand their powers at all, so I was completely confused at what was going on. I'm, I'm still like, not it's poison. Yeah, the we actually don't know much about the poison user. One of the things he mumbles to himself very quietly. He dresses like an SS trooper. Okay. Sure, he's got poison powers. Why yeah, wouldn't he? He dresses like an SS trooper, and everyone sees him as very scary, but he's actually very friendly, and he wants to be friends with everybody, but he's super shy, so that's why he tends to mumble, and he just tends to stare. As, so as opposed to like collapsing in on himself, he has like no facial expression gotcha. when he's shy. Gotcha. But we actually don't know much about his powers, because he's rarely used them. Okay. Because there's like 11 black bulls, and Asta will go out on missions with some of them. That makes sense. this is the first time that really all of them have come together to do something. Gotcha. This also feels like it's almost working towards a climax. Because it's a shonen anime, I kind of doubt it is. It's probably just the escalation that tends to happen in those. But Well, it might be working to the climax of an arc. Well, yeah, but I was saying like a series climax, which I don't think it actually is. Probably. But it's got that kind of rising action to it. Yeah, and it might. I don't know anymore. Yeah, that's true. But you know how Shonen series are. You want to keep going. Got to make yep. that money. Got to keep that anime adaptation going slowly forever. Yep. So speaking of, next we have Neolation Process 3 Lemming Game, which is, you know, more Neolation, although at least they're setting something up I'm interested in here, even though there's a whole bunch of computer stuff that I'm like, that's not really how that works. And I only have a base knowledge of how that works. Yeah. Well, in the Lemon Game thing was, at least over here, there was like a movie about something similar. Where So the Lemon Game is you start playing this game and so some game master gives you tasks to do and you collect points by doing those tasks. And so there's this movie where it was this girl that you start doing that and the tasks start getting like more embarrassing, like go streaking and then it turns into like a murder game near the end i haven't seen the movie i just saw the trailer but that it's like the exact premise only this one is about them committing suicide and i just have trouble buying into this premise because just stop doing it like i know so many people who play phone games for a while and then they're like pay a dollar to continue and they're like no i'm not gonna do that so it's I know that on the other hand, there are other people who pay like $1,000 at that point. That's what the industry is based on. But just so many people I know won't even pay a dollar so that they do something with a higher cost is really hard for me to believe, especially suicide. Now, suicide's a much bigger problem in Japan, so maybe and I think that culture works a little I better think there. It, it's the thing over in Japan and the 
the fact that it's hitting teenagers. So it probably gets you to start doing tasks that lower your own self-esteem to that the point be. where you, you, consider fe- you start considering suicide almost on your own. And then they're like, go kill yourself. So maybe it's just a cultural thing, but I have the exact same problem of like, all right, start doing these tasks. All right, this is cool. And then, all right, do this task. And I don't want to. And I stop playing the game. Yeah. So this introduces Yuko Ishizaki, who seems to be the female lead because she's in all the promotional artwork. Yep. She's just kind of a dumb girl who's she's in a dance group, basically a dance club at school. And her best friend, who's this shy girl who like isn't willing to join the club or like really assert herself, even though she's really talented at sewing and stuff goes missing yep she hires neo to try to find her and this is basically what they find out she's playing this suicide game and she's on the last day of it so they have to find her before she commits suicide yeah because the neo explains that people have been trying to implement this game constantly they keep changing what the name of the game is but this style of game and he said every time it's been after 50 days uh, or on the 50th day they ask you to commit suicide so they have today's the 49th day. So they're like, we need to find her now. Yeah. So again, it's it's a more interesting premise than the Elation has had before, but just a lot of the same problems that it has for me stuck out here. Yeah. I mean, the big thing is I was not caught by the hook into Neolation. And because I wasn't caught by the hook, I don't really care about what's going on in the chapters. Yeah. And so that even if there might be something that's trying to hook me again, I'm not paying attention to it. That doesn't sound right, but I it doesn't catch me the way it might someone else. Like if they liked the premise or liked the characters or liked the other stuff, they're like, oh, this is a cool story arc. I'm just like, OK, it's the characters are going to be doing this now. This is funny because it seems you and I are about manga, almost the opposite of the way we're about movies, where I'm much more willing to just like see where this takes me even if I'm not as into it. Yeah. Whereas, like, the the specific story, I am interested to see what they're doing, but a lot of the more general things do, like you said, really kind of put me off. Yeah, and my big thing now is because content is so prevalent in a myriad of forms... You have to be more choosy with where you spend your time. Not only that, it's it's not that... For a manga, I'm going to spend a lot more time on it than I am going to in, like, a two-hour movie. So I've watched some fairly terrible movies, but I can almost turn my brain off and just, like, I don't really feel like playing a video game or reading a book right now, or I just finished a book and I don't feel like starting another one right at the moment. So I'll watch some dumb TV or this stupid movie that I'm getting free off Netflix. Not free off Netflix, but that just got on netflix or something like that it's like all right i'll watch this i was at least entertained for the two hours i was watching it but with manga i'm much more and even with anime i'm much more likely to all right i'll give the first couple episodes or the first couple chapters a try but if i don't like it i'm probably just gonna stop because even for this podcast there are 25 concurrent titles coming out not to mention any of the older stuff yeah that you have either the option to read or the option to buy volumes for. So I've got a ton of stuff to pick from. If I'm not really interested in it, why should I put effort into it? Yeah, I understand. Uh, It just got me a little bit more, I think. Yeah. So next we have another one of those new series, Jujutsu Kaisen, 
which you said you had seen the first three chapters of, right? Yes, I had seen the first three chapters of. The main character is also not in this chapter at all. <laughs> so what's this series about? This series is about these, like, demon curse things. So the main character is this ridiculously buff high schooler. Okay. Like, at one point, his teacher is trying to get him to join track and field. So he's like, let's have a competition. And so they do a shot put competition. And he's like, I know this guy's super athletic, so I'll pick shot put, something where you need a lot of skill in order to be able to do it. So I should be able to outperform him. And the kid throws the shot put so hard, he embeds it in the goalpost of the soccer net, which was nowhere near the shot put thing. Like, yeah. it was breaking an Olympic record kind of shot put throw. And during this, he gets, like, attacked by this demon curse or something like that. And he has to eat this finger that's the... the it's like the finger of this demon. He eats it and is able to... Uh, they're able to partially destroy the demon so it's like the idea is this guy had four arms so he had 20 fingers that he needs to eat if he doesn't eat them all he's going to die or the, it's i don't exactly remember it's been a while since it came out i mean not super long but almost a year yeah that's that's what i remember from it so we read chapter 41 kyoto sister school goodwill event team battle part eight from the world trigger school of care of titles yes which means jesus christ why I hate titles to begin with. Why, why are you doing this to me? What did you think of this chapter? I thought it was kind of cool. It was kind of like being tossed into the tuning exams from yeah, Naruto. It has a very tuning exams feel. It feels like a tournament arc, but it's a battle in the middle of a forest. Like I'm, I'm guessing it's almost the exact same kind of arc where they're having this tournament because there is like a school where you learn to do this like demon magic stuff or how to be like an exorcist or a demon. They, they have different names for it, whatever. But so I'm assuming this is some tournament arc to rank the teams or like the tuning exams level up or whatever it is. That's kind of the feel I got from it was, oh, this is the tuning exams from Naruto. Yes, me too. The characters are kind of interesting. What their powers are is a little hard to guess just from this chapter. And that's kind of too bad. I'm not really sure who I'm supposed to be rooting for and who I'm supposed to be like, oh, no, they showed up. I don't know. And this could honestly be one of the weird things of, like, we're watching two of, like, we're watching Team C and D fight. Yeah. And the team that the main character is on isn't even participating because that happened in the tuning yeah. exams, too. So I don't know these characters. I really wish we had those things that the English publication of Shonen Jump had. That's like, here's the story thus far. I understand why they don't want to do those every week, especially in this format. But it would yeah. really help with something like this because Jujutsu Kaisen is something I think I could get really into. But this actually ended up pretty low on my jump card just because we're being dropped in in the middle, it, which isn't really its fault, but yeah. it didn't capture me. It went up for me because I really liked the first three chapters. So this is one of the series that I am definitely going to get caught back up on. It's only 40 chapters from a weekly title. It's not going to be that difficult. And I don't remember if this one has access to all of them on their website or not. Because it, it wasn't like all of them only had six chapters. Some of them went all the way back. Some of them didn't. Yeah. I was just super lost on what was going on with that. But this is one of the ones that I'm going to get caught back up on. Because I remember even reading the Jumpstar, I was like, this seems really cool. I want to figure out a way to read Jujutsu Kaisen. But at the same time, 
I guess I'm just going to be waiting for the volumes. And then it just kind of, I wasn't purchasing the volumes because I wasn't super big into that. And I don't know how big their, I don't know how their digital publishing is for series. Like, because it was a jump series, I didn't know if digital publishing was going to come over that much or if they were going to translate it. Yeah, I don't know. But like, this is one I could really see myself getting into, but I'm not there yet. Yep. There are two series like that this week. But next we have something that we're both very into, which is One Piece, chapter 928, introducing Kurumosaki the Orion. Yep. Or the Oiren, I suppose. So, Luffy's still in jail, but Raizo the ninja is, like, kind of with him, like, hey, I'm working on a plan to bust you out. Don't you worry. Yeah, I assumed it more it was Raizo the ninja showed up, like, he knew Luffy was in jail, so he's... Well, the way it's, like, Luffy isn't surprised, so it seems like he's shown up before and been like, hey... Like, he, prob- he probably has. He probably got in contact with Luffy as soon as he was thrown in jail or very soon afterwards. And all right, we're working on a plan to bust you out. Uh, so Caribou is there from the Dressrosa arc. Yeah. Trying to uh, make good with Luffy because he wants to get out as well. Uh, Actually, he was from uh, the Fishman Island. Is he? I thought he was there on Dressrosa. Maybe I'm thinking of a different guy. No, he tries to ambush the Straw Hat Pirates before they make it to Fishman Island. Oh, okay. Huh. I think. Uh, all right. He's He wasn't a huge... Character. Yeah, he wasn't a huge villain. He was, like, there for part of an arc, like, when they were trying to get to the Thousand Sunny to go down to Fishman Island. Okay. Yeah, I know what you mean. But, okay. yeah, he, he might have been in Desrosa. He might... he It might be just somebody that... The creator that I can't remember his Odai. name. Odai. Really likes, so he just keeps kind of, like, making him pop up. So he's not always super relevant, but he's like, hey, I like this character, so he's here. We also find out a little bit more of what Kid has been up to since the time skip. Yep. He stole something from Big Mom and managed to escape, but he got in a fight with Shanks and lost his arm either to Shanks or one of his crewmates. Yeah. And now he came to kill Kaido, and he and Luffy were like, I'm going to kill Kaido. Now I'm going to kill Kaido. Yep. Even though they've both been thrown in jail by him already. Yeah, but that's totally... Both within character Yeah, both of them within character. Because even when they first met, Luffy was like, I'm going to take out all these Marines. And Kid's like, no, I'm going to take out all of the Marines. Yeah. And Law is just like, I'm going to flip both of you off. He's still kind of that way. Yeah, but now he's like, he's actually friends with Luffy. He just pretends he isn't. Yes. So meanwhile, we also see what's up with Kurumasaki, the Orion, the most beautiful woman in all of Wano. She's got a procession. She's got floats. She's got a bunch of angry men who gave her a bunch of money to try and like buy her from the... I, it seems like a whorehouse, but I don't think it's that low because she's more geisha higher yeah, class but escort. They tried to they tried to like purchase her contract for being a geisha, but she like tricked them into giving her all of their money. Yeah, and so she's clearly like very jaded and anti man. Yes, and uh, this uh, chapter very inconspicuously ends with cutting over to Momonosuke, who's talking with who is it? Is it Keijiro or Tama? Tama. Oh, no, yeah, it's Toma. It's the girl. I'm sorry. I, I read this chapter like a week ago, so I couldn't yeah. remember who it was. But yeah, it's Toma, the girl that Luffy saved at the beginning. And she's like, hey, didn't you have a sister? And he's like, yeah, she'd probably be like a hot 22-year-old if... Uh, 26. 20, or 26-year-old if she hadn't time-traveled with us somewhere. Hope she's still alive. Yeah, so maybe... <laughs> maybe? I wrote definitely, buddy. <laughs> Prob- yeah, it's probably that. But... I could see him flipping it just a little bit, and maybe it's one of the girls working for her. I mean, it could be, but Odai is not usually that subtle. No, he's Nor is usu- One Piece usually that subtle. He's usually not. 
Also, like the way I got her drawn, it was like, yeah, she's super beautiful, but I didn't get for whatever reason, I didn't get the feeling of like her with Boa Hancock. Of, she, really? Because she looks a lot like Boa Hancock specifically. She does, but she felt, I guess it was like because of the style of the makeup or whatever. Like I got that she was supposed to be super beautiful, but at the same time, I was like, well, she's not, obviously, she, sure, she's the most beautiful geisha in Wano. Well, but like Boa Hancock's the most beautiful woman in the world, right? Yeah. So anyway, like the chapter of One Piece, uh, but pretty transition-y, and it's just setting up this new element, basically. Yeah. Although, excited to see where that goes, as always. Uh, speaking of, next we have The Promised Neverland, Chapter 117, Breaking into the Cage, Part 2. Did we mention we read The Promised Neverland for the volume this week? I don't think we mentioned it at the start, but... Well, we did. <laughs> it'll be in the show notes. Yeah, it will. So, this chapter, 117 later... Pretty uh, good. It kind of, it's, it's called Breaking into the Cage Part 2, and it pretty much resolves the storyline, I feel like. Yeah, there might be... No, it does resolve the storyline. I forgot yeah. exactly how it ended for just a second. So Emma finds the medicine with... Uh, I can't remember the girl's name. Is it Anna? I think it's Anna. That sounds yeah. right. They start gathering it, but as soon as they leave, they just bump into some demons on patrol, and they recognize Emma's like tattoo, and they're like, oh my god, she's from Grace Field. We gotta get her and eat her. Yep. But then basically a Frankenstein shows up and saves her by anime fighting them all. Yes. And his name is Zazzy. He's one of the dudes we saw with Mr. Minerva in the... Yeah, he's one of their ridiculous, their super strong, ridiculous protectors. So he came after Hayato and uh, the other guy didn't come back. And he can't even seem to talk very Frankenstein-like. Yeah, he's got a bag over his head. He's not very articulate or verbose at all. He had that Frankenstein feel of like everyone's like, look how scary he is. And then he's like, not chasing a butterfly, but like looking after a butterfly as it flies by. And they're like, oh, maybe he's not as terrifying as I thought he was. So with that, they should probably be pretty easily able to get to Minerva. And I bet the next conflict will be disagreements with him. Yeah. That's my assumption. I'm guessing that as well. Because, yeah, Zazzy had been sent out to find the two guys that had gone missing. Yeah. So next we have... Our last new series, well, I guess our last weekly series, Demon Slayer Kimitsu no Yaiba, Chapter 140, The Final Battle Begins. An excellent place to start. Uh, yeah, uh, excellent is a word that you could use to describe this. Did it's... you have any familiarity at all with this? No. So I read this chapter twice because it's the first one I read and I forgot to take notes. I'm like, well, I'll read it last and take notes then. Mm -hmm. less fresh in my head there's a lot of stuff i really like here but there are a ton of characters they are literally like moving in on their final battle fighting a bunch of henchmen their master roshi figure has died and they want revenge yeah there's a ton of stuff going on i really like the way the like anime style techniques look in this and like it seems like they're almost more like schools of techniques than special moves yeah and I really like the art, but I am completely lost on the story. Uh, same here. I had no idea what was going on. So, spoilers for later, this ended up ranking pretty low on my list because I'm like, I don't know who any of you people are, and every person only gets, like, a couple panels. Yeah. Except for a couple of them that got five. And it looks like there are maybe seven main characters. I pulled that number out of my ass, but it seems right. Possible. And then the guy at the end, I think, is the main villain, maybe? I like I got the main villain vibe off of him, but yeah. honestly, he could be one of the main characters. He could just be the sociopath. Or he could be like the, the Darth Vader figure to the Emperor. 
yeah, I don't, I have no idea. That said, this chapter got me really excited to figure out what's going on, so it actually ranked higher for me, I think, than you. Yeah, mine, because I was so lost, it went down super low. That end, when I was ranking them, I'm like, all right, I actually liked a lot of these chapters kind of similarly, so... Yeah, they definitely had a lot of that. I was going to save this for ranking, but there were a lot of chapters here that didn't super impress me. Like, even my top ones, are they're pretty good, but I expected them to be beaten by something else. Yeah. And they weren't. But I'm excited to read more of this and try to figure out what's going on. So Yeah, this is another one that I'll probably get caught back up on. It's not on the top of the list, but nor is it on the bottom of the list of stuff I want to get caught up on. There's actually not that many. I actually made, like, a list of, all right, these are all the titles that we're going to be reading. Here's the current chapter we're on, and here's the chapter that I'm reading so that I can remember going back and forth. That makes sense. So that does it for our weekly titles. We did two monthly ones, though, starting with Dragon Ball Super Chapter 43, Joining the Galactic Patrol, which is a pretty good point to jump on the Dragon Ball Super manga, assuming you've watched the anime. Which I have not. Okay, I was going to ask if you had, because I know you watched a little bit. I watched, like, four episodes. Oh, no, sorry. I watched the first... I think I watched the first 12 episodes and then didn't realize that it was going to keep going. And then it was like 30 episodes in. I was like, eh, I, I don't know that I want to get caught back up. Yeah. And those would be a rough, like the first 24 episodes or so of Dragon Ball Super aren't good. Well, the first 12 episodes are almost a rehash of the movie. Only they're with worse animation and a much worse pacing. Yeah. And the next 12 are a rehash of the second movie. Yeah. So not the... So, it, Dragon Ball Super kind of lost me when it was first launching. This is the first chapter that takes place after the anime. That's kind of an asterisk there. The last chapter was about half wrapping up the Tournament of Power and half introducing this new story arc. Gotcha. So, what did you think of it, since you have less context than I do? I thought it was still pretty interesting. It's still Dragon Ball. We have, they're introducing a new bad guy for them to fight. This goat. Planet dude. Eater Moro is his yes. name goat dude charged with destroying 320 planets they're also taking a lot of old lore from dragon ball that's stuff that toriyama almost definitely forgot because it doesn't really mesh with the beerus stuff and i find it very bold and interesting to bring that in so basically if you're not super familiar or just a refresher on dragon ball majin buu ate three of the four supreme kais and the south kai who's kind of the fat one heavily influences personality which is why fat buu is like not a monster Yep. as much and so he defeated and imprisoned planet eater moro in the past so the galactic patrol basically kidnaps boo to try and get him to stop him and goku and vegeta end up along as well when they try to protect him yep so jocko's here as well as Amiris, who's this new galactic patrol character for this arc who is a much more dragon ball z level fighter than jocko is yep he still like uses a stun gun and stuff but he's able to surprise vegeta and stuff and vegeta's like very impressed by his moves yeah he's like you're holding back aren't you yeah so vegeta and goku basically get inducted into the space patrol as temporary members to help deal with moro yeah because right now boo is asleep and they're like well how do we wake him up Uh, you have to wait for him to wake up it's boo you can't make him do anything now it's two arcs in a row boo is out because he's taking a nap yes also they name they're like iw kakara aka goku and you vegeta the fourth as members and just vegeta the fourth is a great bit of world building they might have taken that from the broly movie because this takes place afterward and that's out in japan possibly 
But either way, I really like it. And then they like we get a space train robbery. That's just one hundred percent a train robbery. There's like a laser rope around the conductors as they're tied up. Yeah. And Goku and Vegeta end up letting Miras do it so they can watch it. But we almost get Goku and Vegeta stopping a space train robbery. And that's what I'm here for. Yeah. So I actually really liked it. Yeah, like I said, I did like it. It was like a lot of Dragon Ball, but there was a bit of... I'm kind of confused on how stuff went. And then, like you said, a bit of the... Because I know a bit about the Beerus stuff. So there's this... So there's this space patrol, right? So there's this god of destruction that can just blow up. You know, this guy killed 320 planets. Beerus does that in, like, a weekend sometimes. Yeah, but they've already got over that. Like, Beerus is a god, so, like, that's beyond their jurisdiction. Okay. And, like, this space patrol couldn't deal with Frieza. Like, they were like, let's try to limit Frieza as much as we can, but, like, we can't fight him or stop him. Okay. So that's kind of the tier they're on already. Like, this is something that's already kind of been introduced. Okay. So then it just feels a little weird of, like, if that's the stakes, then this almost feels like something that uh, a downplay in the stakes. Yeah, but we'll see. Like, Miris, like, has been eating planets, so he might be way stronger. Or they talk about how they sentenced him to death, but literally could not kill him. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I like the setup. It's a lot of world building stuff that Dragon Ball kind of stopped doing after the Frieza saga. Yeah, really, it was just, here's the new monster that you're going to be yeah. fighting for the next arc. And it's, like, got that adventure feel with the space train robbery, so I'm really looking forward to see where it goes. Yeah, I, I really liked this chapter of Dragon Ball Super. I've never read a chapter of Dragon Ball Super, so it's like, I've seen Dragon Ball Z, and then I'm now jumping in now. And you know all about Super Sam Blues, though, so. I know about them. I don't know all about them. They're, they're blue-haired. Yes. You and know. then there's also a pink-haired version, I guess. That's even less important. Yeah. All right, so last but not least, we read My Hero Academia Vigilantes Episode 44, Traveler. Vigilantes is like a spinoff, and that's kind of all I know about it, written by a different guy. Same. I almost didn't want to read it because it just reminds me a lot of American comic stuff where you'll just spin something off and it won't really have anything to do with the main story. Yeah, and I was still kind of getting that vibe off of it from this even though it has characters from the main story even though our racer head ends up being like a main character in this which really surprised me yeah it's got some cool stuff there's a villain that just looks like thomas the tank engine yes which is weird and is the guy who shows up at the end from the manga from my hero academia because he looked like a little a little bit like a guy who just showed up where i'm reading but i don't think it's the same person let me look okay so, no, I don't think this guy is from the manga, at least not to my mind. It sounds like he's one of the dudes that might have been affected by One for All. Gotcha. That would make sense. They mentioned at the end he got his quirk stolen. So that sounds like a One for All thing. Definitely. So it doesn't really do much for me. If we end up not reading everything, this is going to be kind of on the chopping block for me. Yeah, I'm willing to give this a couple more chapters because there were still some cool stuff, so I'm not entirely sure if this was just because I had no idea what's going on. Yeah. Like, I might go back, read, like, the first three chapters if we're going to, all right, let's make a, let's try and shorten this if this podcast end up being three hours or if we feel like it's just too difficult to keep up with 25 titles. It's just, this is an awful thing to say, and it's a very American comics perspective, but it feels like it doesn't matter, and that's a dumb thing to say like dragon ball super doesn't matter and i just talked about how much i loved it for an hour there but that's also returning to some characters i love and doing some fun stories with them where this is just like 
in the My Hero universe, which I like, but I like the characters so much more. Yeah. And that's why I'm willing... Certain spinoffs, it doesn't bother me that it doesn't matter. What bothers me is when spinoffs try to make things that don't matter, matter. Like, if they try and make a spinoff that then, like, ties into the main storyline without actually ever having any tie-in, it feels a little cheap. But... If they're just, all right, we're going to do this spinoff about these characters not in any way related to the main storyline, dealing with stuff not related to the main storyline, just in the cool universe with its neat setting. Those are the kind of spinoffs that I like. I only like those if they have an interesting premise, though. Yeah. And I don't think people who don't have a hero license being heroes is that interesting a premise. Yeah, so... We'll see. Like I said, I'm willing to give. I'll probably read the first three chapters, see if I like it. If I don't, I could also see this on a chopping block. All right. So we are at one hour of raw audio. We'll see what it edits down to. And it's time to get on to Jump Card. So Jump Card is the segment where we rank all the stories we've read from our least favorite to our favorite. A much longer segment now, probably. Yeah. So what do you got on the bottom, Kevin? Act Age. Hey, me too. Act Age is number 15 for me, for basically the reasons we discussed, right? Yes. I wasn't hooked when it was in Jumpstart, and this one literally felt like, like I said, this felt like an entire chapter of Goku using the Spirit Bomb. (laughs) <laughs> and that that was it. So I had none of the buildup to Goku using the spirit bomb. And it was just like, look at how good this guy's acting is. Yeah. That was literally the whole chapter. Look at how good this guy's acting is. What do you have at number 14? Demon Slayer, because I could not follow anything. So <laughs> that's why it was down there. So I have My Hero Academia Vigilantes. I actually put it higher when I was listing it initially, but talking about it just now and like thinking about what I remember, it really didn't leave much impression on me. Like... It's the only series I feel like in Act Age where I didn't want to read the next chapter. I got Everything you. else, I at least wanted to give it one more to see, you know? Yeah. I actually did want to read the next chapter of Vigilantes just to see, weren't you supposed to be dead and have your quirk stolen? Nope. And, it, like, maybe he did have his quirk stolen. He's just some, like, regular dude now. But yeah. he still feels like a hero. My number 13 was Neil Asian. I, I put just, that much, quite a bit higher, but... Yeah, I just... I I didn't really like it. Uh, to be fair, I don't think anything in this uh, issue was super great. But my number 13 is Jujutsu Kaisen. Because, like I said, I think I could get into this. But a lot of the stuff, like, just was too... It didn't hook me with anything. Like, the general premise I like, but I could also just go back and read Naruto. Yeah. And this is going to sound really silly, and a little bit is. The title really put me off. The chapter title. Oh. I don't read those. Yeah, I know. But, like... It just seemed lazy and long, and I didn't super like it. And also, I read last week's, and they didn't fit together super well. So Okay. Uh, This isn't, like I said, I do want to give it another chapter, though, and like at least try to get my bearings on it. Yeah. So my number 12 is actually Jujutsu Kaisen. Even though I did like the start of the series, like you said, I have no idea who these characters are. I don't know who I'm supposed to be rooting for. 
and this felt like the tuning exams. So without knowing who the characters are or how the powers are different, it's like, so this is the tuning exams again? Okay. Yeah. My number 12 is Haikyuu, because I'm not really into volleyball or sports stories, but I did really like a lot of the art techniques to show yeah. the way the game was going. Yeah. So like the draftsmanship is really good, so I couldn't take that away, but it's not my thing. Yep. So my number 11 was Vigilantes. Like I said, I was just a little bit more interested in to see about this hyper quad fist dude, but it felt a little weird with, all right, so we're doing this spinoff story of these are heroes without hero licenses. How, how does that work? Isn't that like, isn't that the whole point of the, uh, if you don't have a hero license, you're a villain. So shouldn't they like police be after you? Well, that they're vigilantes, so you assume they would. But then a racer head is working with them. So. Yeah, it's very confusing. My number eleven is Demon Slayer because while it's very confusing, I just got an energy from it. I really like the art. I really like all the character designs, and it's a series I could see really getting into. We just came in at a bad spot. Yeah, but if we came in at this spot of the anime and you had a little longer to digest it all, I think this would be a show. I'm like, oh, I got to see that next week. No, I I feel like that could be it totally. I'm just not the kind of dude, especially now, that I do not have to come into a show yeah. at episode 50 and figure out what's going on. I can be like, I can maybe see the trailer for episode 50 or something like that. Or it's like, hey, here's the trailer for like the new season opener for season two and be like, that show looks interesting. I'm going to go watch season one. Yeah. And I might, I'm probably going to do that with Demon Slayer of I'm going to go back and read Demon Slayer. It's not ridiculously long it's not like haiku where i have to go through 300 chapters which even then i could probably do my 10 was black clover it just like even for me who understood what was going on at the end it just got a little confusing and i kind of had a hard time ranking some of this stuff because with even more titles to rank i have an even harder time trying to figure out which one i like more than other ones because i like certain aspects of some and don't like certain aspects of the same chapter so do I rank it? All right, I didn't like these things, so I'm going to put it down. But I actually liked this thing, so it's going to go up, even though I didn't like this other thing, so it goes back down. And I just kind of, it's not throwing, I'm not throwing darts at a dartboard for, all right, my number 10 was that one. But it feels a little bit like that. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. My number 10 is Neolation, because while I don't really like any of the characters, and there was a lot of the techno babble that bothered me in this one. I am at least a little curious where this arc is going. I feel like if I wasn't reading it for this podcast, I wouldn't be reading it at all. But if I had started, I'd at least give this arc a chance to see how it does when it's doing an actual story arc. Yeah. So my number nine was Haiku. I might try and watch the anime and then get caught up from the anime to the current thing in manga if I want to do that, because I feel like that would be a lot easier than trying to go through the manga. Maybe not. But the whole treat practice like it's the real game, but then treat the real game like it's practice, that applies to a lot more than just games. It's the same thing with tests. It's what training, any kind of military, martial arts, any kind of training like that, you practice all the time thinking it's the real thing. And then when it comes down to it being the real thing, it's just like practice. And so it, you don't focus on it. So I really like that aspect of this chapter of Haiku. My number nine was Black Clover. I do really like the Asta fighting, but that ending was just so confusing. It brought it way down. Yeah. So my number eight was Dr. Stone. I thought this one was pretty funny. 
again, it's not like, oh, this hasn't bolstered my hopes for Dr. Stone being the best thing ever, but I enjoyed reading it. I thought the turn Gen did on making the captain pay them for the privilege to ride in the air balloon, even though they were worried he was going to make them pay him to ride in it, was pretty great. And Gen tricking Chrome into thinking that his determination, like, he's like, I really want to go on this air balloon. And so his determination got him the thing. But it, it wasn't that his determination got him to pick the card. It was his determination got Senku to go, yeah, Chrome should be the guy to go with us. He really wants to do it. Yeah. Uh, my number eight was We Never Learned, because like I said, I was really disappointed in this chapter. Yeah. Um, and it just, it felt more cheesecakey than normal. And the jokes were fine, but nothing really landed. Yeah. So my number seven was Dragon Ball Super. Because I don't know too much about the whole Dragon Dragon Ball Super storyline. Like you said, the cool space train robbery was neat. This was one of the higher chapters that I ranked, but I, I'm not exactly sure how stuff fits into the general Dragon Ball timeline. I'm still confused how the general Dragon Ball timeline works. Nobody knows, especially not Toei. Yeah, because it's like, so GT got totally erased? Nope, GT right. is still canon. It takes place later. Yeah, which makes absolutely no sense. No, it doesn't. I am a firm believer that GT did get erased and Dragon Ball Super is the new starting That timeline. makes more sense. That makes way more sense. I, I do like the joke that someone sh- um, shoots Beerus, all the god stuff goes away, and then everyone just gets hit on the head really hard and <laughs> forgets everything that happened. Yeah, that, that'll totally... No. My number seven is Dr. Stone, pretty much for all the reasons we've talked about. I have a feeling that our lists are going to look very similar and We Never Learn is going to pop up somewhere on yours soon and they're going to converge. Yep. So my number six was Hellwarden. This seems like a pretty interesting start, even though it is very typical shonen. The premise is at least interesting enough to get me to want to go into it. And as long as the story isn't rote, I do kind of like the characters. So we'll see how this goes. My number six is Dragon Ball Super for pretty much, again, the stuff we talked about. Yep. So my number five was The Promised Neverland. I did like this chapter. The... Zaki was pretty interesting character. I like him visually, although he's, even though he has his own distinct style, he's the quiet, terrifying looking one, like the monster looking guy who is actually really nice on the inside, it feels like. And I've seen that before, but I did still really like Zaki. So uh, my number five is One Piece. I always like a chapter of One Piece, but this one felt very setup oriented. Yeah. So, yeah, my number four was One Piece. Again, like the chapter of One Piece, just not not top of the list. Uh, my number four was Chainsaw Man. I said I didn't like it as much as normal, but it still ended up ranking very high, yep. in part because there's a lot of stuff that just was below average, I feel like, for me. Yeah. I'm interested to see what's up with power and where that goes. But again, it seemed like a shut up chapter for me. Yeah. So my number three was Food Wars. I really liked this episode of Food Wars, or this episode, this chapter of Food Wars. So I'm super excited to see where it goes, but I honestly don't know why it, it ranked a little bit lower. I, I did really like this. <laughs> so like I said, sometimes it feels like I'm literally just throwing darts at a dartboard. Gotcha. Uh, my number three is The Promised Neverland, again, because I really liked it. Pretty much the reasons you did. Yep. But it the ending didn't seem quite deus ex machina. We've seen this guy before, but it was a sudden relief of tension. Like they didn't have to think their way out of this one, really. Yeah. They got saved. So in between my three and my two is My Hero Academia. There's some really cool stuff going on right now. So 
I also really liked this chapter. All right, I'm going to catch up. Yep, so my number two was We Never Learn. I like the cheesecake stuff a lot more than you do, so I thought this was pretty funny, so it ranked up pretty high on the list. I think a lot of it is because there isn't so much plot, I could just laugh at the jokes and be done with it yeah. kind of thing. Uh, I didn't have to think about how their jokes interact with their back, the backstory between these characters and all this stuff. So it was just kind of like, I really enjoyed that one. It ranked high. So my number two is Hellward and Higuma. I talked about how it's pretty basic shonen stuff, and it's the beginning of the story, which gives it kind of a crutch to work on. But mm-hmm. like I said, I didn't super love most of the chapters this week, so it ended up going pretty high despite all that. Yeah. And my number one was Chainsaw Man. So even though you didn't like Chainsaw Man as much, really the thing that sold it for me was when Denji decided that he wanted to touch boobs. <laughs> See, we didn't t- talk about that, and I thought I expected us to. It just didn't come up. So yeah. So it so came make up, your point, Kevin. It came up now. The thing that I liked about it is that after he made that decision, when Makima, I think it's Makima, yeah, showed up, there's literally an entire panel of just her chest. And the exact same thing happened when Power showed up. And it was like the switch flipping of so Denji wanted toast and he had that he had that horrible sounding piece of toast where he literally took every jam this guy had in his apartment and put it on toast along with butter. But he had that and now he's like, you know what? I'm going to up my goals. I want to touch a boob. And then immediately, anytime he sees a girl, that's what he looks at. Like we get an entire panel shot of just their chest and so you could see him like hi i'm power bam look at her chest and then go on with the introduction so that's what kind of skyrocketed for me not the fact that it's just about boobs but the fact that he literally showed his shift in perspective that way of this is my new goal so now any i'm expecting for the next chapter if there's another female character he will immediately will have a single panel shot of her their chest yeah, and I do like that Denji's kind of a perv. It, perv, it makes him relatable. But I really liked the sweeter stuff earlier where his goal was more to be in a relationship. I mean, I get it. This is way more realistic for a kid his age. But it just, I don't like it as much. It's the same cheesecakey thing Yeah, as and my problem with We Never Learn. Yeah, I'm, again, I don't have too much a problem with cheesecake. And it wasn't the fact that it was, I want to touch a boob. It's like, if if it was, I want to hold a girl's hand. And we get a panel shot of like yeah. him looking no, at I her get hands. It. I get it. I just would have preferred that. Yeah. That like I said, it's still number four for me. So yeah. it's not like it ruined the series. Yeah, so that's that's what really got me was those single panel shots of the artist literally showing the perspective change of Denji of like, now I'm going to look at girls as a pair of boobs that talk. Yeah. My number one was Food Wars almost by default. I mean, I did really like the chapter of Food Wars. We talked about it. This but, was a super solid one, yeah. But when I was reading it, I was expecting something to beat it. And, and it just didn't. Yeah. So it's still a good chapter of Food Wars. I'm yeah. excited to see what Selma's going to do next. But speaking of what our heroes are going to do next, we all month are going to read volume ones of the various stuff that's in Shonen Jump right now. Well, so, it was in Shonen Jump when well, we had planned out this month and then they changed it on us. I mean, it's kind of. Shonen Jump just isn't a container as much anymore. Yeah, but like we had planned to read stuff on the running series in the magazine and then the magazine dissolved so and there's still running series and the yeah. magazine exists in japan so i guess uh so we're gonna start with the promised neverland volume one after the break
So we're back, and we read The Promised Neverland, Volume 1. This is getting an anime ab- adaptation very soon, I believe later this month. Yep. So if you're interested in what we have to say, you can check that out or pay the $1.99 to Viz and read it all there. Yep. So you like Promised Neverland, right, Kevin? I mean, yeah. We've talked about it quite a bit before. I knew the premise. I've obviously read the more recent chapters, and I knew how it started. This will be my second time going. I never read, like, the volume, but I had read the chapters. You read it while it was in Shonen Jump? Yep. So do you have any general impressions going back to it? I still really like it. Yeah, I quite liked it as well. Like, I I say this on almost everything we read, so maybe it's not the best compliment, but I feel like the best compliment I can give anything is to say I wanted to keep reading it when we were done. Yep. And that was certainly true of this. There's some characters that I don't remember from currently in the series, so I wonder if I'm just dumb and haven't noticed them or if they're very, very dead. So, like Norman in particular, I don't want you to spoil it, but I'm like, Norman, I don't remember this guy. He is not in the current things. Yeah, so I don't know if he's over there or extraordinarily dead. I'm not going to spoil what happens with Norman, but yeah, Norman, Norman is not part of the group at the moment. Yeah, and he's like a main character here, even more so than Ray. Yes. Although, clearly, Emma, Ray, and Norman are the kind of trio of main characters. Yep. For at least this point. So, Emma is a orphan at the Grace Field House, which is an orphanage, basically. There are 38 kids there. She's 11. She's one of the oldest kids there with Norman and Ray. Yeah, they're all 11. And every day, they have a daily test that is intense, even for, like, a Japanese school. Yep. They have, like... 30 seconds to answer any problem. 10. 10 seconds. And they're all, like, it's kind of hard to say. They're like spatial reasoning questions is most of what we see. There were some math things. There was some other stuff like that. But, yeah, it's a very intense test. Yeah. But Emma, Ray, and Norman always get perfect scores, basically. Yes. After the test, they get a chance to play outside. There's, like, a forest outside the house, and they're allowed to play it as long as they don't go past this fence or to the gate. Yep. And the only time they get to go to the gate is when they're being adopted, like, and shipped off, basically, to their new foster home. Yep. So it's Connie, who's this little six-year-old girl's last day. Yep. She gives a speech about how much she loves her bunny because their mom gave it to him. They have, like, a mom who's the, basically, runner of the orphanage who takes care of them and everything. Yep. But she forgets her bunny, so Norman and... Well, you forgot the... Uh, when they go to play outside, they play the game of tag, and they talk about... Strategy? Yeah. So they talk about Emma is faster than Norman, and they were like, if it was a race, you could beat Norman every time. Why is it that Norman can always catch me? And they mentioned that it's Norman is good at strategy and tactics. He can He's anticipating your moves so he can force you to go where he wants so that he can catch you, as opposed to just trying to physically catch you, which is why he always wins the game of tag. So while Norman and Emma are playing, Ray is always just reading. He yep. just always goes outside with his book, sits under a tree and reads. Yep. So anyway, it's Connie's last day. She forgets her bunny. They decide to break out of the orphanage to give it back to her before she's gone. Yeah, because they were like, we could have Mother send it to her, but Norman says... Well, don't you think Connie would like it better if we managed to make it to the gate before she meets her new family and gets to go with the bunny? Yeah. So they sneak out to the gate, but they see these demons and they find Connie is dead. They 
find Connie dead first. Okay. They go, they're like, oh, hey, a truck's here, but nobody's inside. And then they look under the truck and they see Connie's, or. They look in the truck. Yeah, they look in the truck and they see Connie's dead corpse pierced by a rose. Yeah. So they hide under the truck because they hear people coming. And it turns out these people are actually demons. Yeah. And they end up dropping the bunny when they finally flee. Yep. Their mom, Isabel. You don't know it at this point in the manga, but her name is Isabel. Like, they say it later in the volume. Shows up and is talking to the demons about the Connie as she's being, like, stuffed into a jar full of some kind of liquid. Yeah. So Isabel finds the bunny, so she knows something's up, but she doesn't know who brought it. Yep. Uh, so chapter two is basically them just kind of figuring stuff out. They realize the house is basically a cage. There's a whole bunch of bars on the windows and stuff that they never really noticed before. Yeah. Because it's just always been that way. Because the demons were talking about Connie being high quality meat. Yeah. Or they were specifically talking about her being normal quality meat. I think they mentioned something about plucking the three top scores soon. I think that's later, but yeah. I think the two demons mentioned something about the, why can't you grill us the really high grade stuff? But, like, they figure out basically that, like, age 12 is the oldest that they'll send anyone. So that must be when, like, the brain is fully developed. Yeah, Ray, that, they're trying to figure out teaching your meat doesn't make a whole lot of sense because then they have the opportunity to fight back and learn. Why not just keep them ignorant? And then they eventually get that the demons probably eat the brains. And so from a physiology standpoint, the brain goes through 90% of its development by age 6 and then is fully developed by age 12. So that's when they start harvesting kids. Is the kids with the lower test scores, like Connie, she's like, I didn't used to do so good on the tests. The kids with the lower test scores get harvested first at age 6, and then the kids with the perfect test scores get harvested around age 12 when their brains are fully developed. Yeah. They also figure out that she must have a tracking device because when kids get lost in the woods, she can just like go find them immediately. Yeah. And they also notice that the tracking device is probably the watch because so some of the younger kids were playing outside and one of them's like, I lost her in the woods. And so she looks at the watch, goes out and comes back basically immediately with the little girl saying like, oh, she just fell asleep. And... Norman notices that that must have been a threat to the kids who had noticed the truth about the farm because she clearly looked at the watch, went out and came back like she could have easily faked that she went out searching for a little bit, even knowing exactly where they were. So she was trying to threaten. She doesn't know which two kids had snuck out to go to the gate, but she tried to threaten them into like, I can track you kind of thing. Yeah. And we also find out, although the kids don't, that she has a number on her neck like everyone else. So she's probably also a human and not a demon. Yes, but her number is slightly different from the rest of the kids. So all of the kids from Grace Field have a 9-4 at the end of their number with some of the older kids having a 1. So like Emma, Ray, and Norman have 194 as the last three digits. Don, I think, also has a 194. But then some of the other kids have like a 294 versus Isabel has an 84. So that's probably a designation. She came from somewhere else. She didn't yeah. come from Gracefield. Yeah. 
So basically the rest of the volume is them trying to figure out how they're going to escape and their mother basically doing stuff to stymie them. They find out there's basically a big smooth wall past the fences, but if they had a rope, they could climb over it. Yeah, because the there's trees, but all of the trees are kept back far enough from the wall that you can't make it to the wall from the trees. So they're like, we need to get a rope somehow. So they finally figure out that they can use old clothes. Tablecloths. Tablecloths. They can use old tablecloths to fashion a rope. So they do that. And then as they're making up this plan, Isabel suddenly starts making all the older kids start doing chores because she knows it has to be one of the older kids. The younger kids wouldn't have been able to keep it quiet. So she starts making all the older kids help her do chores around the house uh, to keep them from having any free time to start planning stuff. Yeah, and she does that until another woman shows up to help her, named uh, Carone. Yeah. Or Crone. Crone. And the Emma Ray and Norman realized that they'd been focusing so much on the tracking device that Isabel had outmaneuvered them, that they weren't worried about why they were doing all of these things. So, like, they, she's just been... Norman gets super annoyed at himself for losing the mother. He's like, she's been outmaneuvering me at every turn. So even if we somehow manage to get rid of these tracking devices that they have, we need to figure out a way to beat mother or we won't ever be able to escape. Yeah. And also when they like kind of bring Ray into the fold, he's like, Hey, we could escape really easily, but it, Emma insists that they have to, they have to save take everyone. everybody. Because they're like family to her, and she's super protective of all the little kids. Yeah, because Norman was like, when the demons found us, I was super scared because I thought the demons were going to kill me. And then when we were talking about it afterwards, Emma was crying. And he's like, I thought Emma was crying at first because she was scared she was going to die. But then she explained that the only thing she was worried about was everyone else and the demons killing everyone else. So he's like, that's what I like about Emma, that... She was more worried about her family in a life or death situation than herself. Yeah. And so there starts to be some conflict between Isabel and Crone because she tells Crone, hey, some kids figured it out. Yeah. And she's supposed to ship anyone who figures it out off immediately. Yep. But she doesn't want to. Be, and Crone assumes it's because she wants to cover it up and kind of get all the accolades. Yeah. So she thinks if she turns Isabel in, she can take her job, basically. Yeah, because she also wants to be a mother. At the same time, she doesn't know exactly which of the kids has figured it out. So Crone also has to, she's like, I just need to figure out which of the kids found out the secret. At first, she was going to try and worm her way because apparently Isabel is like one of the best moms out of the whole farm system. system. So she's like, I just constantly hear from the other side how good Isabel is and all her great accomplishments. So she was going to try and worm her way to get Isabel as kind of like a patron or a supporter to help her rise through the ranks. And she's like, wait, if I can sweep Isabel off her throne, then I'll be able to take the throne because there aren't that many mom positions available. There don't tend to be that many vacancies because it's kind of a serve for life thing. So Crone's plan is to expose the secret herself, get Isabel retired slash killed. Killed. Something bad happening to Isabel and then her taking over the mother position. So the volume basically ends on a pretty big escalation where the kids kind of figure out how the tracking devices work because there's a new baby brought in and they're able on the small baby to figure out where it is. But 
we find Isabel talking to some demons and they're like the ritual will be soon. We need like high quality meat for, and there's this name. That's this unreadable character. Which or is, set of characters. It's this set of characters. Some of the, it's a, it's obviously supposed to be unreadable. It's I'm assuming it's a demon's name. Yeah. It's a really cool effect though. Yeah. It was super cool. I got it because it was obviously being spoken. So it's like something that humans can't pronounce kind of thing. But yeah, like you said, it was a really cool effect that it's this unreadable character. So that really adds mystery to it of like, we're working for blah. Yeah, it's this almost Lovecraft move. It's yeah. really good. And it really like spikes the tension to make you want to read the next volume. Yes. And I very much do. So I really like this. It's very different than the almost Fallout survival thing we have going on currently in the series. Yeah. But I do like it. I, the puzzle solving is there from the beginning. The character stuff is there. I have a. We'll talk about this in a little bit. I have a hard time expressing why, but I really, really like Emma. Yeah, I do too. And like I've said previously on other stuff, my favorite parts of Promise Neverland are when the kids are using their brains to do the problem solving. So that's one of the reasons why I really liked Promise Neverland to start off with. Is this first volume is pretty much all that. It's all this logical thought process problem solving thing there's not a whole lot of physical challenges it's like the kids we have to outthink our opponents and i just think that's really cool it's definitely an inversion of the way shonen anime typically goes yeah and also i really like that since they're so young they're like trying to figure out what the problems are because they haven't even gotten that far yeah it's a real fun read so I highly recommend it. The anime is coming out soon. I have no idea if it'll be good or not. It could be another Black Clover situation. Apparently, Black Clover is super popular. Yeah, I've well, Crunchyroll is pushing it super hard. I don't. Not know. only is, I'm, I've seen other review sites say that Black Clover is doing pretty good now. So apparently, maybe it, gets it got better. better. Apparently, it gets better. I'm, I'm not gonna bother at this yeah, point. Me either. All the stuff I've seen has been critical takedowns of it, but not a lot of it has gotten far into it. So hey, I hope it got better because I feel like all my problems with the manga could be solved with a good anime adaptation. Yeah. Well, and I think that's that's the thing is all the critical takedowns were like for the first 12 episodes or they didn't even make it through the first 12 episodes. They watched like the first five just like us and we're like, this is terrible. Yeah. And apparently it gets better. Apparently it's an anime that like after the first maybe it's after the first 12 episodes, it suddenly kicks back on. Because it's super popular over in Japan. It's super popular for stuff over here. Like, there are even user reviews for the current Black Clover. It's on Crunchyroll, but it's user reviews of, like, I'm actually really liking this again, even though the first, like, the first couple episodes were really hard to get through. But now I really like this show. So it, it every time I see that, it makes me want to kind of go, maybe I should jump back in, like, episode 12 and just kind of run with it and see if the, it it's good. I mean, you've read the manga, so you yeah, should. Yeah, I, I, I'd i be able to very easily just jump in at any point, and maybe I can just find somebody that's like, yeah, it gets good after episode 20, or it gets good after episode 12. I'd be really disappointed if it got good at, like, episode 6, and it's like, I just, I didn't make it. Uh, this might be a, usually we do it later, but it might be a good time to bring up what we're reading next week. Yeah, so next week, we are going to be reading Black Clover Volume 1. Yeah, so I hope you'll join us for that, but... Before we wrap up this episode, we have one last segment, which is personality power level. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Uh, personality power level is the segment where we rank characters from best to worst. And like I said, Emma's the main character, right? That's very clear oh, here. Oh, you don't, you don't want to rank Norman? No. 
Not yet. I mean, he could be a good number two. I'd rank him before Ray, assuming that he doesn't get more screen time in the next volume. They get pretty... I mean, Norman gets a little bit more than Ray in this one, but at, from going forward, it's like focusing on the three of them. Yeah, that's what kind of the feeling I got. Yeah. But I definitely think Emma is like Emma, the head of the trial. Emma is the main character. We A lot of the stuff we see is her perspective. We do sometimes see Ray and Norman's inner thoughts, but usually it's Emma reacting to Ray and Norman. Uh, so it's Emma is definitely the main character. So the you don't want to do Norman thing was more of a joke. Gotcha. Also, the current list, Izuki Midoriya is at number one at the top from My Hero Academia. Obviously, he's the best. At the bottom is Haruhi Fujioka from Oran High School Host Club. And then in the center, we have Eni- uh, we have Anise Murphy from Cypher. Oh, she's back in the center, huh? Yeah. So I really like Emma. I feel like the first like real hurdle on the list is Goku, who's at number seven. And I definitely like Emma more than her. I than, also like Emma more than Goku. More than him, I should say. Yes. And get my pronouns right. But I, I have a hard time telling you why. But I definitely feel that way. I feel like the other big hurdle on the list is number three, which is Monkey D. Luffy. And I don't know that I like Emma as much as Luffy. Yeah. But again, I have a hard time putting why I like Emma into words. It's very emotional and feeling based. Yeah. I think. Honestly, I think I'm going to go with I like Emma more than Monkey D. Luffy as well. That you do? I Yeah, I do like oh, Emma. I, I was saying I don't. I will defer to you. But oh, you were going with. OK. Yeah, I'm just kind of feeling like I like Emma a bit more. I can feel the emotions she's trying to convey more. She's. I like the struggle that she goes through of like, even in this chapter, she's like, so I'm the most physically fit of the three. Norman's kind of like the all rounder guy. And Ray is like the the brains, but he's not particularly physical or he's also not very emotional. So I, I like that Emma is like, I have to learn strategy and I like, she still thinks a lot. She's obviously still super intelligent, but she just tends to put her emotions out there. Like, it's very easy to relate to what she, the author is trying to make you feel. She's feeling at the time, I feel. And that's why I really like her. So that's actually very similar to our number two, Usagi Tsukino, a.k.a. Sailor Moon. There's a lot less done with Sailor Moon's face and a lot more done with, like, thought balloons and weird images with her to show what she's feeling. Yeah. And I think I like Usagi more if just because she develops in a more real way to me. I'm all not as familiar with Emma's arc. Like, I've read the first thing and where she is now. Yeah. And they seem pretty similar. Yeah, I feel like Emma's still Emma's still growing, so I could put her beneath Usagi, and then maybe as Promise well, Neverland goes on. Yeah, we'll definitely... I don't know if we've said this, but I definitely is my intent that whenever we read Volume 2 of anything, we will review any characters on the list from this. Yeah. Potentially putting them higher or lower. Well, and also, like, so for some of the chapters currently going on, maybe something happens that makes me super love Asta. Yeah. For some reason. You know, like, oh, he's going to shoot up a couple places on the list. Or we go over something happens in One Piece that makes Monkey D. Luffy go up, goes up places. Or down. Hopefully not down. Hopefully not down. But. Yeah. So, Emma, does she have a last name? No, because they're orphans. That's what I figured. So, Emma from Promise Neverland will go at number three above Monkey D. Luffy, but below Usagi Tsukina. All right. So that about does it. Like we said, next week we are reading Black Clover, volume one. Yep. 
If you want to check that out, you can, for $1.99, subscribe to Visit Shonen Jump Collection, and it's all available there for free. That's true of everything we're going to be reading this month. Yeah, As technically, w- Volume 1 isn't available for free, but all of the chapters oh, that yeah. are in Volume 1 are available for free. And it denotes what those are, so with a quick link to buy Volume 1, it's these. Yep, so there might be some of the like side passages or author's notes or stuff like that that you won't get, but you'll at least get all the chapters. Yeah. And Black Clover is one of the titles that has everything available, to my knowledge. There might be a weird gap in the middle. I didn't scroll through the whole thing. Has it all been in Shannon Jump? Yes. Then I think it should. So yeah, join us for that. Hopefully that will improve my opinion of Black Clover a little bit. Hopefully. As we all know, it's pretty low. So that does it. You should visit us at our website, www.lastpodcast.com. That's where our previous episodes are. That's where the personality power level list is if you want to take a look at it. It also has a link to our Discord where you can discuss any of the anime and the new season you're watching. It's also where you'll find my other two podcasts, Last Time on Video Games, which is now going to a bi-weekly schedule starting this year. We just played Splinter Cell, if you'd like to hear about that. You can also find It's a Gundam, our episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast. If you like the podcast and you want to help us out, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps tremendously. Or just tell a friend, especially if they're a manga-enjoying friend. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fistfight by Tom W. Emerit. Other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions. And our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Is there anything you want to plug, Kevin? Not this week. All right. See you next week. Stop.